My name is Marcio. I work uh, with the Wyoming Business Council. I'm the continuous improvement and innovation um, local expert. I was talking with Mandy here about metrics and how do we measure economic development. So uh, the first thought I have in this area is you should really look for good solid data. For example, in Fremont County, uh, the median house income in 2018, that's the last set of data I have, was uh, $54,000. This is $6,000 below the national um, median housing income. Um, is that matter? Well, it depends on me and other things, which makes me think that a lot of, a lot of folks are trying to find uh, solutions for economic problems. They are basing in um, solutions that they know that work for simple problems or technical slash complicated problems when economy is a very complex system. And in a complex system, a data set or a data point is just that, a data set or a data point. They not necessarily will take you to an answer. Uh, the answer requires learning, requires collective efforts, requires um, many people working to better understand what is the challenge, in this case, a, a complex challenge. From your perspective or the way you've been looking at our economy, what do you think are some chunks of those of the problem that need solving um, or areas that require some innovation and change within our current system? First thing is a recognition that uh, the complexity that involves this. Um, if you don't recognize this, you're going to, again, try to find a technical solution. You're going to find um, a simple solution for something that is not simple or technical or even complicated, it's complex. A good example is like this. Um, we develop a EMS system in the United States, emergency medical um, system. Um, it's very good to treat diabetic emergencies is doing nothing to treat the diabetic crisis. You can prevent the diabetic patient from dying from diabetes using that system. However, uh, every patient you save uh, is not making no difference in treating the big diabetic crisis we have, the diabetes crisis. So how does that translate for uh, economic development? Well, I think that the, the recognition, like I mentioned, that is not stopping and fixing one problem at a time and is tackling the whole thing. How you take tackle the whole thing? Um, after you recognize that is a complex challenge, you need to get people together and start collaborating, start working. This is way harder uh, to do than to say that um, because everyone is in their own little silos. Everyone is doing their own little things with their own metrics. And if I ask uh, someone to collaborate with me and that is going to not help them to achieve their own metrics or achieve their own stuff why they're not going to work with me they are going to keep working in their own silo so i think if you're trying to solve problems in large organizations that you have different teams different groups in the organization different business units not collaborating they are stuck in their own silos you can take the same example for the community, for the, for the region, for the state. You know, like there are so many silos. How do we break silos? Well, that's another question, another answer. 
What do you think are some positive signs of progress that you're seeing either in Fremont County or elsewhere in the state of, you know, working towards making a new economy for Wyoming that's less dependent on fossil fuels? Um, what are some success stories you can see? And then what do you think are some other opportunities that we're just not moving fast enough on that we're just sort of slow to consider or slow to uptake? I think one of the progresses we're making, and I think that um, a lot of people like to hear about progress because they're scared of, of, of the bad news or scared about facing the brutal reality. Um, I, I don't need good news. I think I'm good about facing the brutal facts and then move towards um, a, a solution because facing the brutal facts is part of understanding the problem. But for those that need some good news, a sense of hope, I think the outside enemy, the COVID-19 crisis, just is sped up a lot of stuff. And one of the side effects, when I say it sped up a lot of stuff, is sped up a lot of the problems, sped up a lot of the, the, the trends that were not in our favor. Uh, so that un, unified folks. A good example, a tangible example, a practical example will be Lander United, that you got uh, three organizations that do a good job separated. But going back to what I mentioned earlier, they are in their own little silos, you know, and then they got together to work. Um, so that is one of the good news. I think that the, um, there is a say in the medicine that the pain makes a good patient. So I think that pain unified folks. How about areas that you think we're not facing the brutal facts? What we are not facing the brutal facts that there will be um, trade-offs. Um, when you start studying complexity and complex systems, one of the things that you realize is that the systems are perfect. They work exactly how they evolve or they are designed to. So Wyoming is perfect. What we don't like in a system called Wyoming is the outcomes. So we get some outcomes, we don't like it. You know, uh, when you have a, um, to get just in a hot topic, a low tax environment, this is great. Uh, however, there are, there are consequences of that. And then when you don't like the consequences because schools are going to be defunded or need to improve or change the way they teach, um, you forget that you like the system. You know, the system is there because it was in either intentionally or evolved that way. So I don't think that we are facing the brutal fact that the Wyoming uh, system is working just as supposed to, to work. Who's, whose job is it or whose responsibility is it to craft a new Wyoming? Is it the state governments to create their own, you know, structure of funding and figure that out? Is it up to the citizens? Is it up to each individual community to decide like winners and losers of who's going to make it in the economy? Like how do we wrestle with capitalism and public good? Uh, that's a very good question. You're probably going to get me in trouble, but um, I have two passports, so I don't care. So, um, well, there are so many things. So I hear a lot about picking winners and losers, and, and that is a very interesting thought. Um, um, I think there is one thing worse than picking winners and losers, and it's picking losers. And, and um, 
So you, when you start to look for economic theory and economic development, the other countries are doing very well. You know, like you see the Asian tigers, how they went from very poor economies, depending on the basic sectors to what they are nowadays. I, I think it starts with the recognition that market, it's great. You know, a free market is even better. Uh, however, fee, free market is not perfect. It's nothing perfect. Um, or should I say it's perfect the way it works, but you don't like the outcome, going back to the system language. So when you don't like the outcome, should we fix that outcome? Should we try to address the outcome we don't like? Um, and that is where um, market imperfections, like some people call, should be addressed. However, um, to fix a market imperfection, you need to understand what is the problem you're trying to solve. And if you don't understand the problem and you just do something, you add another problem. You add what is called a governmental failure, which is historically governments are horrible to identify problems. And I will give an example. Let's imagine that someone believe in the fact that access to capital in Wyoming is one of the problems for entrepreneurship to promote new business and et cetera. If we, as a governmental agency, try to identify where is that problem, we are most likely going to fail. And then when we introduce a solution, we are probably going to introduce a governmental failure. And then people get out, out up to choosing pick, uh, winners and losers. Now, think about a public-private partnership. You have a private bank that say, hey, I want you help Mandy, for example, as an entrepreneur. However, my risk assessment tools say me that this is maybe a yellow light, maybe red light. Well, if the private sector is saying that this investment, we should not go there, is a red light, why should we go with uh, 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 public funds? Maybe we should not go. It's red light, it's red light. Go back to the drawing table, come back with something better. However, if the private institution uh, comes back with a yellow light, there is a potential market failure there. Can the government now with a private sector identifying that there is a failure there intervene and then help to minimize the risks? Because it's, in the end, it's about risk management. This is a good project. However, the risk is maybe too high. There are maybe external benefits for this project that can help a community or a society. Okay, let me get the public funds to minimize those risks so we can benefit from the uh, consequences of a project. I think that is a way better conversation than, oh, we are just picking winners and losers. There's the good guys and the bad guys. I think that Asian development banks, uh, they did exactly like that. They name it things, and then they were very objective. This is not good for the private sector. Why? Oh, it's too risky. It's a dream. It's never going to come true. Oh no, actually it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's risky, but not for the appetite of this private capital. So let's see if we can complement with public capital. A lot of people in Wyoming, I think are just have this idea that, well, fossil fuels will come back. There'll be another boom or we just need to find something to replace it, like exchange this for that. And I think the further you get into it, you know, we've been fortunate that we've had such a big 
piece of our economy driven by this singular industry that just, you know, fell in our backyard. So if we're going to have to, you know, if we had an orchard of apple trees and, you know, oranges aren't worth the same as apple trees, so we can't just replace it with orange trees, like how do we grow a diverse garden but how do we know, how do we figure out like what's going to work and what's not going to work without putting a whole bunch of resources into things that then just fail? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like that, how do we iterate as a half a million people across the state? (laughs) I think it's an interesting thought. And that's why I think no individual or no single organization um, can solve this problem. I think it requires lots of people working together and then we don't have a lot of people we have like 570,000 estate so that is one of the biggest uh, opportunities i say um exists is if we want to have 570,000 people aligned in one cause it's not never heard about it you know i think there were 400,000 people involved in the in Normandy in the D-Day, yeah, you can do it. Everyone with a single objective, let's just make it sure and secure the beachhead. What is going to happen next? I don't know, but you secure the beachhead. And our beachhead, I think is, it cannot forget the past. You know, Wyoming has a tradition in energy. Uh, Wyoming has a tradition in mining. Um, so, uh, instead throwing energy out of the window, how can we add value? How can we pivot? How can we innovate in the energy sector? Energy transition is happening since the first human got a piece of wood and throw in a fire and then figure out if you do the same with coal, it's better. The first house um, I rent in Atlanta, there was a coal stove in the, in, the, in the basement, but we are using a natural gas furnace. Why? Because maybe it was messy. Maybe there was a lot of externalities to coal. And in the end, it was easier to do with natural gas. So we, we have that, uh, that understanding of being an energy market. And maybe energy transition, one thing to, to tackle. Um, for example, uh, how to, to test this hypothesis, I just think you need to start working. You need to start doing things instead of talking about it. It's my first governmental job. And and then before that, I was in a non-for-profit uh, uh, sector. But I remember being in a private sector and it's like, oh, you have an idea? I'm going to give you 10 bucks, but you need to come back with 100. And by the way, you have three months to do that. And so I think we can leverage all the different players in the state, the folks from the private sector that have the sense of urgency, they, 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 they are the pathfinders, they want you to just get done. And then you have the non-for-profit network that can provide some safety net for those folks that are failing because failing is not free. It costs people livelihoods, it costs funds, you know, like sometimes you see someone uh, approaching a solution to retail in small towns in Wyoming and you, you want to stop by and say, 
please do not use all your savings in opening this new store in Main Street because in three months, you're going to realize that your initial hypothesis was not that very good, but you don't have cash flow to adapt. So there is a need there for organizations who can help those guys to, to shortcut. And last not, but not least, the governmental uh, incentives um, that can happen to promote some things. But first, you need to get everyone to agree what we are trying to do. This is my perspective, this is my opinion. I could be wrong, but to get to the right answer, people need to start working together. I love how your brain works, Marcio. <laughs> um, as these business leaders come across the state, many of them, this will kind of be their first window into Lander and they'll, we'll have one day that's focused on the reservation as well. But as they go throughout the local businesses and talk to business leaders and kind of get a sense of what the Lander economy is, what do you think people should pay attention to or notice around Fremont County and it can be good things or challenges to take notice of? So I think when you, Fremont County is very large, there are many diverse uh, uh, communities, uh, but one thing you can notice is the landscape, the geography. You know, geography trumps almost everything. And then geography of our region that will help to shape communities and help to shape a business and how and finally shape the economy is of a remote geography. We have a fantastic playground, the Wind River Ranch, that is running almost parallel to the Fremont County. Um, I think that you can notice two the two different and potentially depending if you're using Native American lenses, three different cultures, because there are two tribes in one nation, and there is the, the county itself with another culture, which is not something to take lightly. You know, the words we use, the way we communicate it, make that idea that I shared of everyone being the same page a little bit more complex. Um, I think you can notice that the, the, the the ways that our geography connects with the other geographies, the railroads. Where, where is the railroad? Lander used to be called, at least in the Noble Hotel on Main Street, where the railroad ends and the trail begins. We don't have a railroad anymore. We have roads and those are not highways. So if you're trying to start manufacturing or something bigger, there is already a limit, limiting factor there. Um, at the same time, if you bring a highway to connect our landscape to other markets, uh, are you going to lose some of the good things? Uh, and um, maybe we can bring back the railroads and have a win-win for both. You know, you you can have a production going away. Uh, if you're driving around, take a look at how strong is the ag sector north of Riverton um, uh, is it, something that become very apparent during the crisis, how strong that is. Uh, um, how many businesses in, in Lander and community are built on the outdoors? At the same time, the products that are in the stores were not produced here. The retail business is what generating revenue um, and how that 
how that influence or not the economy, you know? Uh, should we research and design outdoor products for the outdoor recreation world in Lander and Riverton and then manufacture some, someone else? And when you see how many dollars of an iPhone stays in California, it's huge compared to how many dollars of an iPhone stay in China, Taiwan, and Malaysia. You know, they are producing things that don't add a lot of value. Can we do a similar model to outdoor? So there are many, many things that you can be observing, but I invite you first start to observe the landscape because that move mountains is not easy. So um, that is where everything starts. Anything else that's on your mind right now or things you're thinking about any any realm of your job or personal life or crazy ideas you have? I, one thing that I see a lot is, um, I, you realize my accent is not from Wyoming. And I, I grew up seeing the United States as the shining city on the hill. And then I move here, start working, I'm uh, working with challenges in, uh, in the economy. Um, and I also like to do a lot of research and do benchmark. When I see what's happening in Asia and how did they start uh, their transformation of their economies? And more recently, uh, I just learned that China has the largest Navy in the world. Um, and that hit home very especially because I, I had a privilege to work with United States Naval Academy. And uh, since a few months ago, United States has the largest Navy in the world. So you can call like it just like a, uh, I'm pissed because I, I have a team in the game and my team is losing. But I also think we should look other things that are working. Um, uh, Ch China built 50 cities in the last 30 years. And there are 50 cities of size of Denver probably. And when you read their energy transition plan, it, it makes me feel that they are playing, uh, not even chess, they are playing Go game. Now they are building more uh, nuclear power plants than anyone. They are building more coal power plants than anyone, hydro, solar, wind. They are not putting all the eggs in the same basket. And the future will be what will be. And then if you have strategic positions in many different locations, you probably will be well positioned. Cannot put all the eggs in the same basket. So I think that I think a lot about this. Are we based in principles and past history putting too many eggs in the same basket? Um, diversification for the sake of diversification, I don't think it's help. I think it, we need to label things and uh, in a correct way to find a good solution. I think that the label is resiliency. And why we are diversifying the economy? Well, because our goal is to have a more resilient economy. And to have a resilient economy, you cannot put all the eggs in the same basket. So good. Oh, thank you, Marcio. Am I going to get in trouble, Amanda? I'm not a political guy. Community Foundation and the Dragicevich Foundation. Thank you for your support.